Oh man. Oh man. It uh feels like half a century ago I just started this grand old podcast. And the reality is is that it's only been uh, a little over two months, two and a half months. And your boy's already at episode fifty. I don't know if this pace is realistic, but um I will uh keep it moving. And welcome to episode half of a hundred. A hundred divided by two. You get today's episode. For you people that can't do math, you probably shouldn't be on YouTube and watching a random person talk about absolutely nothing for an average of 52 minutes an episode. Um, but yeah, welcome to episode 50 of the Often Be Podcast. I'm your host, Clint, and I realized I didn't set the camera to the angle I wanted, but too late. I already started. We never restart. Uh, perfection is for people who actually care about shit. And in case you can't tell by my production, I do not care. It is 6.25 a.m. This is my second record tonight. Um, these are, of course, I'm banking them ahead of time. This should be out probably in a week after I actually record this. I'm recording this on a Sunday. Tell God I said hello. I literally see his halo. As my light that I put on my bed, and let's just say, Beyonce, I wish she was in my bed, but I don't go after married women, um, especially when they're with a man that has literally um, a billion times my net worth. So, don't worry, Jay Z, I'm not a threat to you by any means, but um, just so you know, I wish she would say my name. Um, she definitely is bootylicious. And most importantly, you're irreplaceable. Because there's plenty of times she's tried to get you to move the box to the left. But you're like, um, I'm not going nowhere. I kind of have a lot of fucking money. This is our house. We have kids. The only thing we're going to be moving to the left is uh, that booty. You can make a whole album shitting on me. Still going to come home to me and drink this good old lemonade. I wonder what the representation of lemonade. I actually never did that research. I'm, I just drank a bang. But yeah, I wonder if the lemonade is supposed to stand for something. You know, um, maybe it has to do with the lemon uh, quenching thirst. And that it's bitters. Maybe it's because if you eat a lemon, right? If you just eat a lemon by itself, it's bittersweet. But when you add sugar and stuff... The sugar is the infatuation of fame. Whoa, Clint's on the theory. Oh, conspiracy. Jesus. I think Lemonade, because that whole album essentially is, it's not directly about Jay-Z cheating or nothing like that. It's been a while since I listened to that album. But it's not, the whole thing isn't really, but we all know like what was happening around that time. Some of the songs. Well, we, we know the deal and that's fine. Um... But, you know, I think the lemonade had the stand for, um, because if you just have a lemonade, a lemon, yeah, if you drink lemonade, it's a combination of the lemon, the water, the sugar, and all that, right? And so it's a combination. The lemonade is the infatuation of life. Sometimes life can be very bitter. Sometimes it can be very basic, like water. And sometimes the sweetness it kind of infatuates you. And I think the the lemon was what was happening at the time. It was very bitter. She felt very bitter at the time. Her whole life has been, well, you know, not that her life's been easy. I would never say that. But, you know, it's been pretty, a steady increase, a steady incline. And so her life's been a lot of sugar. It's been, a, but also with a lot of hard work, but the water... And the sugar. And then... Mm, here comes Jay-Z squeezing these lemons all over. I have a feeling Beyonce's lemonade would not go for 25 cents a cup. Um, unless she were to sell it, you know, in her cup. <laughs> Even though that's actually very disrespectful. I apologize to you, Beyonce. Where are you, Kelly Rowland? Um... But yeah, no matter what I do, 
All I think about is you. Even when I'm with my boo, you know I'm crazy over you. No matter what I do, I just want to kill myself too. This is just see if you're paying attention, because if you're paying attention, you should probably call the suicide hotline. And by the way, I'm joking. I'm literally joking. I was never a big fan of the Logic song. The Logic song, 1-800-273 or blah, blah, blah. Basically, the suicide hotline song. I felt like it was very corny and cheesy. Sometimes I get that it's about the bigger picture, the message. That's great and all. But it's sad that that's actually Logic's probably biggest hit. And I really think the song is really corny and cheesy. And it's really just, I just want to be alive. I don't want to be alive. It's like, really, that's like the best lyrics you could have came up with. It's supposed to be this lyricist. And all this shit. And I don't really listen to Logic, but a lot of my friends do. A lot of people respect him as an MC. And I do. He could rap his ass off. But the fact that he could rap his ass off in that song is like an elementary level of like quality music. And I understand the message is bigger. But you couldn't put more effort into that song. I don't know. Maybe it was so that the song and message would actually be... Uh, understandable to even the very young because sometimes if it's a very complex rhyme scheme or very complex song and message the message will get lost so if it's a straightforward basic it's meant for like 12 or 13 year olds and you know what if it does its purpose and save lives who am i to judge but yeah episode 50 man it's been a i remember literally 25 episodes ago i decided to i talked about my assessment and where I wanted to go with the show. Now, ever since that episode, um, audio-wise, podcasts, as I've said before, I know it's probably annoying to talk me talking about it, but I think it's very open to talk about it for a reason. The audio has jumped to the roof, but the YouTube side hasn't really. And to be honest, I don't think it's because, you know, I, I'm never going to make the video aspect amazing. Like, I, you know, I... I just kind of do the video because it's kind of a different way, whatever people want to listen to. Um, but it's more along the lines of, I would like to at least see some growth on the YouTube channel. Um, subscribers have gone up a little. I've noticed when I do topical, very topical videos, it gets um, a lot more views and trendy plays. And obviously because that's what's happening. But most of the time, I don't want to make a trendy topical show because then I'm going to be always relied on to do trendy topical stuff when this show becomes a top 28 podcast in the U.S. And I don't want to get caught in that. So I kind of do my own thing and stick to myself and all that. But I do want to see some growth. So I think for once I, after the 50th episode, I am going to do more not necessarily topic trending, but I'm going to cover a specific topic and not just go off the top every episode. And I'm going to actually, you know, uh, talk about something that's trending so we get some viewership and then the algorithm. And then throughout the whole podcast, I'll still do my bullshit. But at least to start off, I will talk about some specific. I think that's something to be pretty open about. But yeah, big old five zero. Jesus. I wonder if I'm even going to live till 50. It's only 25 years away. By the way, my birthday's in uh, October 19th. But uh, you know what they say about the 19th? It's spooky time. Uh, I do... You know, it's an age-old question. You know, what's better? A shorter life that was quote-unquote lived more fully or a longer life where you're able to see life more fully wow look at clint dropping gems off the top a life so let me let me uh let me run that back i just said a gym um is living a shorter life more fully better than living a longer life where you see life more fully it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting um, dynamic to think about. 
the obvious answer, I think that most people will say, you know, living life to the fullest, it's about living your, it's about embracing and taking advantage of your youth. So in that instance, it would be living your life fully every day, right? So even if you were to die at a young age, you know, you, uh, you at least left it all out there, right? Even though, um, the reality is when you're dead, you're not going to be thinking about, did I do my best? Like if you just finished a baseball season, you know, at your local rec park, you're not, or travel baseball, you're not thinking that's the situation at the end of the year. You'd be like, you know what? I left it all out there, coach. But when you're dead, you know what you're not thinking? You're not looking at your dead body and you're like, hmm, yep, I left it all out there. I'm proud of it. It's like, nah, you're dead. It's probably the least of your worries. Um, take a shot for me. Oh. And, but, um, it's, damn, I've been saying um a lot. Stop it, Clint. Stop it. Um, but yeah, to me, though, I'm not to be contrarian. I don't think living, I don't think just living a shorter life that's quote-unquote where you do more and more fulfilling is necessarily the better way. I also wouldn't want to live a very long life where I do absolutely very little to nothing either. And I would say I'm somewhere in between. I think I've had period. I think I had periods of time where I've lived life every day, woke up with a purpose, worked every day, did this and that. Then I've gone through lulls probably more recently where I kind of don't have the same fire and desire, you know, and it's more artificial. My energy It's more artificial what I want to do or it's more artificial. I have to, you know, I have to literally force myself to do things that used to come natural to me. And I think that's just part of becoming older and wiser. Like you're not always going to just want to naturally do things, but I think you know, I think I'm somewhere in between. If I were to die today, not to get too spooky up in here, but if I were if I were to die today, right? I don't. Um, I don't know if I would say I live life to the fullest, but I definitely wouldn't say that I didn't uh, live. You know, it would not be one of those things where I've done absolutely nothing I wanted to do. You know, I've tried and experimented, no homo, with a lot of things. You know, because nowadays, if you say anything with the word experimental, people are always assuming sexually when really, you know, sometimes you just experiment with the sandals you put on today, your flip flops, or you don't wear socks, or you know what, sometimes I go commando with uh, holes in my pants at work, let all hang out like a clock on the wall. Sorry, I saw that line from, I heard the Drake having go away. On the Migos song, I heard it before, but it's the ultimate, it's the song with a renounced plane reference, and, but the song on it, uh, it talks about, and I ain't, something about, uh, hanging like the clock at your wall, your mom's place, something like that, whatever, but yeah, I don't think, uh, living a, I don't think there's anything wrong with living a long life where you just lived casually, and you just lived a fine existence. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But people, I, I think we live in this uh, hard grinding, die hard culture where every day you got to wake up, be willing to jump off a roof, off a motocross, like your evil Knievel. Like, look, man, some of us just like want to wake up, you know, uh, have some coffee, read. Maybe watch a little something, right? You know, have our whatever we do to make some money. Come home, relax. Maybe have a hobby we have. Maybe go for a run, exercise, you know. Like, sometimes simplicity in life is what people like. Sometimes not everything in life has to... Not everyone's idea of living a full life is this... We got to go to all these places. We got to do all these different things. Some people just like want to chill. And I think 
I think having that balance in society is very important. Not to get too generalization here or macro, but yeah, I I don't you know I like when I hear young people my age, right? Like this is one person I'm not gonna say their name, but he would always say, "Well, if I like if I die, like he would be a he would drive completely dumb, not care." Like, I'm not talking about just someone who would drive and consider dumb. Like, this dude was just pulling the parking lots, busy parking lots, and very compromising areas where people park and stuff. And dude would just fly through, not stop, not even go with considerable speed, just pull and pull around. Not pay attention, be reckless, anyone come out, not even stop at a stop sign and consistent traffic. Like, wouldn't even pay attention if there was a kid going across, whatever. He's like, ah. Oh. You know what? Life's too short to worry about that stuff. It's like, oh, is life too short when you're in jail for 30 years and don't even decide when you get to kill yourself um, because you ran over a family because you were, you know, going 50 behind a building where there's speed bumps and you were probably drinking a little and maybe high and you killed a family. Um, but you know what? Well, you know, whatever happens, I can't do nothing about it. It's like, yeah, you literally could have prevented that, but whatever. Not the point. But, you know, his mindset was, well, if I die, I die, right? And I get that. I've said that shit before. But I've also noticed when I would say that would be at times where I was maybe not going through greater parts of my life, right? Like, well, you know what? I'm not going to go out here and just be reckless. But if something does happen, you know, I'm not going to stop it. Um... And knowing his situation, he was definitely in one of those positions where he was probably very depressed. He was drinking a lot. He smokes. Well, not he, he does a lot of different types of shit. That's all I'll leave it at. I'm not going to give out his personal business. Anomaly. But, uh, this, it's just this, uh, the problem with it, though, is that when you're reckless, you're potentially causing other people who are just chilling, just going through life, and you could potentially impact their life in a life-changing manner because you weren't considering certain things outside of yourself. And it's really hard to think outside of yourself when you don't think about anything but yourself when you're in a very bad place personally. So you, it's kind of like this, woe is me, world is at me. Someone start acting out of character. I wouldn't say out of, out of character because I think bad times kind of expose what you're really made of and what you're really about. That doesn't mean you can't act out of character when bad things or happen to you because it sure has happened for me. But typically, some people get out of those like I was able to. And then the ones that don't get out of those, you wonder... Was it that situation that just fucked them up? Or did they just actually never have the tools or ability to move past it? Or they actually overcome adversity? And what you notice about people that have this, I will die, you know, if I die, I die mentality. You know, it's a very scary thing to hear. Because although in a weird way, you kind of admire that they're living carefree and they're living a life, quote unquote, as people say, to the fullest. Because when you say you're living life to the fullest, it sounds more attractive. It sounds like someone that goes out there and gets it. And in my experience, people that are like that aren't really going out and getting nothing. They're typically going around uh, acting like jackasses. And I'm, yeah, they go around and they really have this invincible mentality, which sounds cool. Until you realize that you're not. And then you set yourself back up because you may have caused a serious injury like drinking and driving. And you get sideswiped by Blue Tahoe. And let's, let me tell you, that is not going to Tahoe to the toe service. That was a really bad pun. Wow. One of my worst ones I've done the past seven episodes. All up here. I'm talking about a serious matter here, Clint. Get in the game. Um, 
I, I think the issue is when you get on just the social media aspect, we'll just generalize it to there because I don't think people are really going out socializing in real capacities these days. So all of our ideas of what's actually happens, what's actually happening outside of where we are and living, we literally let social media tell us. Like, but like this, if in the news, let's say we in America had no news about what was going on in Afghanistan. I've gotten a little bit more knowledge of what's going on there. Not great. Um, if on Instagram, if they were to censor all the bad shit that was going on over there right now, and you were just to see in your Discover page, and you were just to see sunset pictures, you were just to see pictures of family and the city life in Afghanistan and all this stuff. Like, you were see the nice parts of what's happening there. And you had no clue about all what's going on there war-wise and everything with the Taliban. You would literally think that everything's status quo. Like, people... Like, you probably wouldn't even know that we still are technically been at war with them, even though, you know, we basically controlled, you know, everything over there for the last 20 years, essentially. And I'm not even, I'm not even going to get to that blue because I'm, I have a little bit more knowledge than I said before, but I want to actually do more research before I actually start talking about, like, Afghanistan but if you if Instagram were to censor all the Taliban stuff and all that shit, and all we received were the nice parts of Afghanistan, the tourist attractions, and if I don't know who would want to go on vacation to Afghanistan at at all, but to each their own. But if you were just to see the pictures, the nice videos, the beautiful resorts and shit, um, the beautiful creations. Yeah, no clue of all this other shit that's going on. Um, Instagram would literally be the reason why you think that, and you get that's why you gotta be be careful on being reliant on what you see, and just accept that as truth. I forgot where I was going with that point. I had a really good fucking point, and I fucked it up, oh, buddy. Um, I would just say, oh, yeah, living life, quote, unquote, to the fullest, that quote. Um, you gotta be careful when people put up hashtag quotes about stuff. And my, also in my experience, again, this is a personal experience, I'm not saying this is fact, not one of those TikTokers that say, oh, if they are doing this, if they post this pictures, if they're always doing these type of selfies, they are narcissistic, they are uh, bad partners, and they are toxic, and they will murder you, and they will decapitate your dog. It is proven fact. And if, they're, if they were born between the months of February and October... Oh, they are bad news. You cannot marry them. It's like, oh, really? You covered eight months? Wow. You really covered yourself some ground there on your quote-unquote specific, specific, Jesus Christ, specificity, specificity, basically fucking specific. Whatever you want to add, the adjective, the pronoun, whatever the fuck you want to add, the predicate, whatever. Go fuck yourself, Clint. Anyways, the fucking point is that really pissed me off. I hate when I can't speak the words I've spoken thousands of times before. I've said that word right before, but I can't say it. Jesus. Oh. What? You gotta be... But typically my experience with people that are typically overt with the constant um, self-help quotes, the the uh, self-promotion of yourself... The, the self-confident posts that seem boastful. And it's almost like they're trying to convince you how self-confident they are. Which the whole irony is that self-confidence is um, just being it and not convincing people that you are. It kind of he's the purpose of the self. And 
confidence. Unless you want to do double negatives. Whatever. But yeah, of course, that's just a personal experience. That's why I haven't been on Instagram in like a month. Jesus. My life is kind of a lot better. I will say, if you, I've mentioned it before, just, you know, delete the app. Just take the app off your phone and don't go on it. Just for a month. And then you'll realize that you won't even go back the first day. Like, let's say you set a deadline in your calendar. All right, I'll go back on, let's just say, September 1st. Wake me up. And you may say, you know what? Wake me up when September ends. Ha ha, see what I did there. It will be a green day. And then next thing you know, it's like two and a half months before you even go on it. Because you know why? You don't have any desire to. You realize you really don't need it. It, Like your life is completely different. You realize you don't look as much junk. You just aren't even influenced or dismayed or nothing. But um, yeah. Well, so... I would say me personally, I'm somewhere in the middle when it comes to living life to the fullest or living life to see it fully. Jesus, Clinta, Clinta Wordsmith. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Uh, unfortunately, I and maybe that's because I'm kind of a boring dude. And I'm okay with that. You know, I think there's too many. I I think there's too many people. I'm not going to say to me. I think a lot of people that say they want to live life today and only think about today. It's, you know, there's a, there's, there's an art of being lost in the moment, but being lost in the moment and being so laser focused that that's all that matters. But you know, there's actually a potential payoff. There's a lot of people that just want to be occupied with what's in front of them to ignore what's possible. What's possibly down the road for them in a bad sense. Is like I think that's why a lot of people like get deep into drugs and alcohol, for example. Is if they just focus on what's in front of them, they worry about what they feel right then. They just worry about getting that high, uh, getting that buzz, getting that that loose, drunk feeling. You get addicted to that feeling. You get addicted to that feeling. And when you get addicted to feelings, it can be, it makes you think irrational. A feeling, being attached to feelings makes you act irrational in all senses. Like you're attached to the feeling of addiction. You're attached to the feeling of love. You're attached to the feeling of wearing no socks while you're having sexual intercourse. It's a hard thing to overcome. Um, it's really just like a nice slipper. Sorry, I just like to gain traction on my carpet. I don't want no carpet burn. I'm sorry. Um, it's you got to really. Again, this is personal experience. I'm not advocating with people what you should think. What I am saying, though, is being addicted to temporary things like drugs and alcohol and stuff because you just want to feel something in that moment because you're afraid to actually feel nothing, in a sense. I think people are so scared to just feel normal. I really do. I know that I know how dumb that sounds. I think people are so scared to feel like people feel like you either got to feel great or you got to feel like complete shit to know if you are actually living a life. But then when you feel like complete shit, then you can't handle it. A lot of people. Like, people really struggle when they're just have this consistent median, right? And like once in a while you have a high, once in a while you have a low. But most of the time you're somewhere here in the middle. You're stoked. And that stoicism will help you so much in so many other aspects. People that wide range all over the map and what they feel because of one little thing fucks up the day type of shit. Like, those people, man, they are stressful. I am one of those people. Actually, not entirely. I've got, I used to be when I was younger, but now I'm completely opposite. But it's something you do have to train yourself to kind of be. Jesus I told myself I wouldn't do this shit. Try to be like some philosopher and virtuous. I'm not virtuous. 
I even person I feel like I can relate and help people with things that people just talk about the basic shit. People don't actually like talk about um the aspects of why thinking certain things are important. Why is it important to think outside of just what you know? Critical th- here's the thing about like knowledge that people want to talk about. People always want people always want to put research behind every little single one of their points because or one of your points because if there's not quote unquote research behind one of your points for some reason it completely is invalidated when all you're talking about is personal experience with situations that apply specifically we're not talking about molecules not talking about biology not talking about freaking studies We're talking about our experiences with human behavior. That's why, even though I'm very annoyed by quote-unquote armchair experts on psychology, because it seems like every four podcasts is just people pretending to be more knowledgeable than the person they're talking to, talking about codependency, human behavior. Well, the reason why you feel like you always got to be an alpha female is because your dad was an alcoholic. It's like, it's not that deep. Even if it is true, not every little thing you do is associated because your dad was an alcoholic. I'm sorry. I'm sure it has some great impact in your life for good and sometimes probably for negative. It probably does hurt your relationship with men. I get that. And for someone who, you know, has, you know, issues with their mother, like if a son has issues with their mother, of course it's going to affect how you deal with women, especially when you see women that have similar issues with your mother and you feel like you got to manage that same way. In reality, people, when, you, when you're a grown-ass adult, you shouldn't have to babysit another fucking adult. But that's near here nor there. But as much as that shit fucking annoys me, there is a value in having that out there. For people to have a more relatable person that an audience member will listen to. Because let me tell you, like, if I'm on YouTube or anything, as weird as this may sound, if I come across a video of Lori Gottlieb, who's like some behavior expert, she's going to be way more knowledgeable than some comedian. But I'm probably not going to listen to her for 50 minutes talk about why my character flaws suck. But if I listen to a comedian who talks about her experience with it or his experience with whatever similar trait it is and they're interviewing someone, they're making jokes and laughter of it, there's a relatable aspect to it. And maybe you're not like learning it, writing it down, taking notes, because what are you going to take notes for? Like, all right, what are you going to do? Take notes, study it, and then next time a situation comes up, apply it? No. No one sits here and writes down notes of how to take care of themselves better. We just don't, okay? There's value in that, though, you know? And I critic, and, you know, I've been critical before of quote unquote non experts talking about certain things, but, you know, the more I think about it, people wouldn't really listen to this shit if we're just listening to these professional psychologists. Just talk about the ins and outs of it all the time. It's like, all right. But also the issue is people on this podcast, they read a couple, they read a book or two, and they use their experience and think their experience is the only experience they need to understand the difference in people. Because they've dated a bunch of sociopaths, because they've been with a bunch of people who have all these issues because they're issues and they identify and they think every person that uh, has this depressive asset, uh, they are more likely to cheat on you, blah, blah, it's like, all right, no, that is your experience, and it's very careful to not project your specific experience with people that you desire onto everyone else, um, but yeah, I just, uh, I just wonder, though, where was I going with this, oh, yeah, by the way, well, I'm distracting you with what I think today's sponsors, Bang, and I will uh, bang the fuck out of this in my mouth. Uh, I guess you could say nothing 
better after a good bang than some sour head. <laughs> Talk about a tongue twister. Gawker. <clears throat> that is probably terrible to hear on the mic. But yes. Um, I think um, one of the bigger... I've noticed I've been actually staying on topic for like a whole show. Again, if you listen to me for 50 minutes about this, you got a problem, even though I appreciate the retention time. But I I, I do wonder, though, how... um, I do wonder where this goes from here. Um... I do wonder where it goes from here in terms of what what do people really value when it comes to this type of stuff. I really don't think I really don't think people value as much stuff as we say we do. And I think a lot of people they're afraid to admit that if they don't have as many values or morals as other people that they're all of a sudden like this lesser person. And I'm not going to lie. I've, I've in the past, I've judged people heavily who I feel have lesser values than even I or lesser morals. When sometimes people, and I've assessed this myself, right? Sometimes people that have the most morals or people that have the most type of you know, virtues that they view of themselves, they think that, oh, I have all these values and stuff, and, you know, I believe in genuineness, I believe in just, you know, honesty and all this shit, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I look back on something in my life, it's like, do it, is that, does that really matter to me all the time the way I do? Would I rather have would I rather have people in my life that are genuine than not genuine? Of course. But who am I to determine what's genuine? Because what I perceive as disingenuous about someone, to them, they're being genuine by not being too genuine. Because to some people in their life experience, being too genuine has hurt them in social circles it has hurt them in how they perceive themselves. It has hurt them in their confidence. It has hurt them in how um, the results of certain things. Being genuine, it sounds great. It sounds be unapologetically yourself. You know, that sounds great until you're not accepted for being unapologetically, unapologetically yourself. I would never advocate to do things to be formally accepted. But the reality is we all kind of have to do things and maneuver. We have to adjust aspects of ourselves to be accepted in some aspect. Because I would say about 98% of us, if we were truly, like if we just truly said what was on our mind all the time. You know how dumb we would fucking sound? What if you never thought about, what if you just thought something and literally never thought about it for a second before you said it? Every single time. Every single time. You know how much of a fucking idiot you sound? I sound like a fucking idiot. And I only think about my shit 80% of the time. Think about how much of a fucking idiot you would sound. Um, It's, you know... And I, I've kind of like... I don't do it as much anymore. But I used to be... And I think it's kind of made me... For a while, it made me kind of unlikable to be around. It's not that I'm a bad person, because obviously, I'm a fantastic person. But when you're always calling out people, you think you're, like, being... You think you're always the one, like, you see everything no one else sees. It's like, no, everyone sees it, but there's no need to point out people's bullshit all the fucking time. Only there's a time and a way and a necessity. Like, just shitting on people for all their flaws. Because you're probably making up for flaws of your own. And you feel like they're going to attack you for your flaws. So you kind of get ahead of it. This is... I'm speaking more of a younger me. I don't do this anymore. It's been at least three months. It's... 
No, but seriously, it's, it's been quite some time. I really feel like I've improved in that aspect. But yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty fair. I, I think I'm really fair about a lot of things. But you know, like, look, to be honest, like I would judge the fuck out of people, and that's exactly what I would not want someone for me to do. Not so. That's what I would not want someone to do for me. It's one of my biggest things. I hate judgmental people. And I realized by category, by a program in that mind, how much I hate judgmental people. By default, I start judging judgmental people. Like, who the fuck are you be judgmental and all this shit? Then you start, that, I think that's why I am such a good contrarian. That's why I could really talk by myself to a camera. Or talk to myself into a mic with nothing to talk about, with nothing around, is because I could find the flaws in every single person's argument. I could find the flaws and the hypocrisies and every little thing. And although I think it's actually, although I think there's a lot of good to that, because you don't, you're not just blinded by just words and what people say. You kind of see things for what they are. But also sometimes you literally, instead of just listening and kind of enjoying something. Like, even some of the symbols enjoying a movie, or some of the symbols just enjoying conversation with someone. You're so focused to listen for BS. And when you're always looking for BS, you are gonna find it. Like, everyone has BS. I talk BS all the fucking time. Half the shit I say on here is BS. Not that it's not true, but I'll say one thing about how I'm not, how I'm against the, you know, red pill community. But then there's some aspects of the red pill community that I coincide with, and it shows when I talk about other topics. But I would never identify myself with a pill, because I think that shit is kind of fucking dumb, to be honest. I think that's for simple-minded people who can't actually think for themselves, so they have to identify themselves with the community, because they need a backing, and they need to kind of go with the wolves, instead of actually just assessing and standing on their own merit of what they actually believe in. But I digress. Um, I find it like, I, and I say I, but when I say I, I know I'm not the only one. I know there's a lot of people that coincide with it, but they're just afraid to kind of admit it. That it's important to look for hypocrisies, but don't have that be like your daily goal. And every time you talk to someone, every time you watch something, because one, it makes it very annoying. You can't even enjoy it. Then you get distracted. Then you just seem like you're trying to poke holes. It seems like you're nitpicking, which are all the same qualities I would hate. And I do hate when someone does it. I hate when someone nitpicks shit that is completely irrelevant. For example, I posted an ABBA and Preach. ABBA. ABBA and Preach. Post an ABBA and Preach video on YouTube. And in... You know, I got into comment back and forth. There was nothing too bad. It was just them, you know, pointing out some inconsistent nonsense. But there was one comment. I didn't respond to this comment. It's from a completely different user. And it said, pronounced Abba. Because the whole video I said Abba. First, I, I know his real, I know his name. He pronounces Abba. But for some reason in the video, I got in the, I got in a roll and I wasn't thinking. I just said Abba. Abo and preach. And, you know, and it's just saying that it's like pronounce Abba. It's like you watch a 28 minute video, and that is the one thing you took away was because I mispronounced someone's name in the video. Like a pretty common mispronunciation. Mispronun Jesus, my grammar fucking sucks today. But I mispronounced. A name a few times in a 28 minute video where I got pretty detailed and into the whole situation. And the one thing you want to nitpick is I said Ava instead of Abba. And people that want to be the grammar police, people that want to focus on the arguments or focus on the shit inside of all this gold you're putting out there. And they want to focus on a little thing that changes absolutely nothing of anything you said. And they want to focus on that because it's a way to bring, um, it's a way to demerit. It's a way to 
bring your argument down in some way because it's a kind of a sign that you aren't educated or you aren't very well spoke or you're not very smart because you mispronounce something. And it's so fucking dumb. And that shit irritated fuck. And I would never, like, and when I, like, if I disagree with a point, I'm not going to sit there, but, oh, well, yeah, actually, the fact, the statistic is this. It's like, no, I got the gist of what you were saying, but here's what I disagree with. And they didn't even talk about anything I said in the video. And they focus on the fact that I mispronounced someone's name, right? Okay, fine. And it was just like that nitpicky feeling. That that bothered me more than what the other dude that I went back and forth for 12 comments. Because I was like, that's what you took from this whole video? I said Aba instead of Abba. I'm pretty sure Abba wouldn't even, if he watched the video, he wouldn't even care that I mispronounced his name. He may correct and be like, hey, by the way, it's that. But Jesus. And it was just that nitpicky feeling. The feeling that always going to find the one little hypocrisy. The one little thing I fucked up on. And that's a quality. And I'm like, hmm. I hate that so much. Do I do that in my life? And I thought about it. And when I'm nitpicking things, yeah. I find the hypocrisy. I find the things that belittle someone's point when I strongly disagree with it and I break it down, break it down, break it down. And it's also the same things I hate in debating. You see you see the huge contradiction here. What you realize is we are all contradicting pieces of shit. We are all hypocritical pieces of shit. And you know what? That's okay. It's like people are so against cheating and then they'll cheat on their partner. People are so against child abuse. But then they'll fucking punch their kid in the face three times. Like, we are all hypocriticals, pieces of shit. And that's okay. Because sometimes we haven't even figured out what we 100% think about something. We think we want something. We think we think something about this. But then when we see it in play, when we see in front of our eyes, when we see it actually happening, when we see... A political policy of a elected official we voted in, and we see, hmm, the policy has been in place for six months. This is not how I thought this was gonna work. That's what was a lot of people's criticism. For example, when Obama was in office with Obamacare, a lot of people were on board, even people that didn't vote for him for Obamacare. Then when it went to place, a lot of people were like, "Man, this is not great." Um, forcing people that can't really afford health insurance to basically force them to have health insurance. It's a very dangerous slope. It was well-intentioned, but, you know, a lot of people didn't really like it. Even the strongest of Obama supporters weren't for that. And, then, you know, you go even from the mayor level, you know, there's been, especially the past year with, you know, mass mandates and stuff, like, they don't always have your best interests at heart you can look at the fucking governor of california dude keeps his wine uh dispensaries open but all your other businesses all the other uh, unessential businesses during covid can't stay open and even essential businesses can't even be open in the same capacity but apparently your wine business so people could come do wine tastings is quote-unquote essential Neither here nor there. That's been abused anywhere across all platforms. So, you know, I'm not, I'm just kind of repeating some shit there. But he's a hypocrite and we're all hypocrites. Reality is we are all just into self-interest. And that's okay. Because you know what? As it, it's very, it's very, um, it's very unrealistic. To hold people to a standard that you don't even hold to yourself to. Even to the best of your ability. It's not even that you don't succeed at the standard you hold yourself. You don't even try to hold yourself to the standard. Because you know better. You know, and I've mentioned it before. Like, you know, it's funny how the people that have the highest standards for people. And the highest expectations for people. Are the people who have had very low 
are absolutely none for themselves. Because they feel in order to make up for their lack of even willing to try for themselves, you are their you are their ticket out. You are their scapegoat. You are the reason, you know, you are the reason for whatever their downfall is. I don't know. There's always some type of excuse and burden placed on people who actually want to try something. It's it's a weird thing, man. And it's like, um, I'll make this last point and then I'll wrap it up. Well, last, you know, last two pods, including this one, just a side note. I didn't have any idea what I was going to talk into. And typically when I don't, that typically goes off the rails. And those are fun to do because it's just me powering through. But I like it when I actually, when I'm talking and I think I'm going off the rails and I come across a subject that I end up talking about, then I actually have a genuine, nice thought process to it. It's crazy what a couple bang energy drinks can do to a young man. Um, I would, you know, it's crazy. It, it, all right, here's what I was gonna say. All right, um, hypocrisy is what was I talking about? Hypocrisy, sucking dick, sucking my toes, cock ring, light cock ring. I do need a light cock ring. You know, keep the stimulation of blood flow going. Um. Oh, yeah, if you notice, right, if you look out into, it's crazy to me how people, and I'm not going to say girls specifically, but like, in today's kind of world, right, for some reason, people have this idea that they just deserve the best and the only reason why they feel they deserve the best is because they exist. And, you know, if you were to believe in the red pill and all that shit, you know, uh, which I believe with this aspect, like, the reality is a man is born, is born with essentially no value and he has to build his value. And a woman is essentially has her she essentially has to preserve her value. She get older. I do think there's some truth to that. I also think economics and class um, matters a lot more than just being a man or woman in society. To be honest, and I think it has that has a lot more to do with your jumpstart on Kunkel being a type of success, right? Um, I think that has more of an effect and more of a impact and more of a um, way of how someone thinks more than just being a man or a woman. Typically, high class, typically people that are in higher income and high class, typically, it typically continues in the family because... It's simply a passing on. They stress the importance of education. And they go to school. Education. Blah, blah, blah. They pay for school. It's a cycle. You get a degree. You're going to have better opportunities. And it's okay if you don't go to college route. But just know you're probably going to have to work harder. You are going to have to do unconventional things to achieve that type of money. Um, you are going to have to find a field that you are an expert or you have to learn a skill or you're going to have to be some type of person that sells what you do or your product to make money. And that's just a reality. That's economics. I think class has more to do with um, the upbringing and how someone perceives themselves. Um and but the reality is, anyways, that was a side. That was a little tangent. It's weird to me though how people, people just feel they can. People feel being associated with having standards is an automatic association that people look at you with more value. 
For example, what I mean by that is if I'm a guy, right, and I say, you know what, starting today, you know what, I'm just going to start having standards. I want a girl to be 5'9", she has to be able to do this, she has to look like this, she has to be able to, uh, she has to be able to uh, dress a certain way, she has to be able to wear makeup a certain way, she has to look the part of what I want, right? I have, I have these list of things that she has to be, she, oh, she has to be at least this type of education, she has to be able to, it's, I'm going to sound like stereotypical misogynist when I say this, but I'm saying this for an example to bring the point further, she has to be able to cook uh, four or five star type of meals, she has to be able to have, she has to be able to have a cleaning expertise. She has to be able to nurture. She has to be able to have kids. She has to be able to, um, she has to want four or five kids in the next 10 years. Because that's how many kids I want. She has to, she has to be a, a specific type of submission. You know, blah, blah, blah. Name whatever specific checklist. But if I were to demand that, but I can't even provide a $200,000 house, but I'm going to demand all these things. Sounds a little unrealistic, don't you think? It sounds a little like if you were going to demand all that stuff, but you don't even bring 25% of that value of what it would take to have that lifestyle and live reasonably. To have enough place to nurture that many kids. To live in an area to have those kids prosper and actually be able to afford that many kids. And realistically, to be honest, to find a woman that would submit to you in a sense in that. Because trust me, it's going to take more than you both believe in God to get a woman to be down having five kids with you as a plan when you're barely making enough to support a family of three. You know, realistically, if you're going to live in a nice area type of thing, you know? Like, th there's a certain self-awareness you got to have. And people just think just because they quote-unquote have standards that that associates them with all some be considered high value, and I put that in quotes, like quotations, because anytime I hear someone call themselves high value, I kind of roll my eyes, because I think you should always consider yourself in terms of you value yourself, but people consider themselves high value based off of how they think society perceives them, based off probably their income, uh, their status, their job, uh, respect of themselves, how they dress, uh, you know, type of clothes they wear, blah, blah, blah. And it's a presentation of what's considered high value. And you have the cachet, the back it of, typically based off income, assets, blah, blah, blah. You know, the spill. And there's a lot of value to that. Like, I, I believe in the idea that high value and all this shit, right? Like, I'm not, obviously it exists. It wouldn't exist if it didn't exist, But pe people have this warped self-sense of value. And again, people just think if you have all these strict standards, that that all of a sudden makes you a more attractable, high-value man or makes you a higher-value woman just because you have standards. Well, just because you have standards doesn't mean you are the standard. Just the thought of the day. Wow. Clinch is dropping gems. Just because you have standards doesn't mean you are the standard. And I don't know any better way to wrap that up. So I'm going to shut the fuck up. We are almost exactly at an hour. All right, guys. Like and subscribe to Vid. It's a great episode 50. Halfway to 100. At this pace, I will be at episode 100 and probably my birthday. God, I hope not. I really need to slow down the pace I'm going at here. But no, probably like November. November 18th. So I can fuck you like we're in Houston. 
so slow, so slow, so slow. The way I do it to old bad bitch in the ball in the zone. All right, uh, don't forget to suck some titties. And uh, yeah, have a great day whenever I post this episode. Yeah, 7.24 a.m. Wow, Clint really pushed the envelope and I am full of energy until I crash in about an hour and a half. Wooey. That's some high heat. That's a baseball reference if you don't get it. All right, guys. Have a great day. Ugh.